Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. So I want to speak this morning about the temple. And we all need time at the temple. When Jesus was 12 years old, we hear in the scripture that they went up to the feast. It's the only time we see Jesus as a boy as he was growing up in scripture. We know very little about his early life. And I found myself thinking, why is that here? Why is that particular passage there? Why is it telling us about Jesus in the temple? We don't know anything about Jesus training as a carpenter. We don't know anything about him making bread with Mary. We don't hear about him playing with his friends. So what can this passage teach us? Well, there are many things. There are obvious things and perhaps more hidden things. It can teach us things about parenting, things about holidays, things about getting lost. And Jesus focused on that many times, didn't he? He talked in parables about the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son, many, many things. But this morning, I want to focus on what it teaches us about Jesus and about the temple. So the temple is a place. Andrew, in his opening worship, um, unprompted, talked about the glory and the splendor of the Old Testament temple. And I wanted originally to talk all about that, but there isn't time. So we're going to move on. But The temple is the place, especially in the Old Testament, where God lived. It was his dwelling place. If we go right back to the beginning, into Genesis in the Garden of Eden, we could say that the Garden of Eden was a temple because there God dwelt and he lived together with Adam and Eve, didn't he? It wasn't until Eve ate that dreadful apple that actually they were separate. God and people were separated two temples in Jerusalem, the one that Andrew mentioned this morning, Solomon's temple, but also that was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar at some point in history when the Babylonians took over, but later on they rebuilt the temple. So it's a second temple on the same place on the Temple Mount where Jesus is found when he is 12 years old. It's in the same format as you can see here. There's sort of outer buildings There's an inner courtyard. Inside, there was a place called the Holy Place where the priests were allowed to go and the priests were allowed to offer um, sacrifices. Behind that, separated by a massive curtain, was the Holy of Holies. And that was the place that Andrew mentioned where the priests could only go once a year. So this second temple was grand, but it wasn't as grand as the first. And it revolved around the sacrifice of animals, shedding of their blood in order to ask God's forgiveness and blessing, his cleansing and purification from sin. It was the place where God dwelt. So Jesus was in Jerusalem because his parents went there every year to the great temple to celebrate the feast of Passover. It's a time of pilgrimage, seven days of feasting and celebration, Family festival, many people gathered together in family groups. It was also a time of teaching. 
And this particular year, Jesus, at the age of 12, was able to be in the outer temple where the teachers and the rabbis were because being 12 was symbolic of the beginning of manhood, a time when young men needed to start to practice the Ten Commandments that were taught in the Torah. As we move on, and Jesus is in the temple with these teachers and his parents find him. They rebuke him, don't they? But he says to them, I had to be in my father's house. And at that age of 12, we see there that there's already a sense of Jesus knowing who he is, hearing God's call on his life. Jesus sitting among the teachers, listening, asking questions. He was where the presence of God dwelt. He was learning and growing in his faith and understanding. And this, perhaps, is a model, isn't it? We'll come back to it later, but it is a model. If we are to grow, we need to follow that example of Jesus. Every child of God should grow and continue to grow, no matter what their age. So you're not excused because you've got your bus pass. And you're not excused because you don't think you've been here long enough. In adult life, Jesus returns to the temple. And it was significant, wasn't it? Let's look at how that was and how God uses the idea of the temple to relate to Jesus. Most famously, Jesus goes to the temple a week before his death, after he's entered Jerusalem on a donkey on Palm Sunday. He goes many times in that week, and we hear that he heals the blind and the lame, and he teaches in the temple himself. But the first thing we're told is, if I read from you in Matthew, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. So I want to talk this morning about Jesus at the temple. Oh, wrong one, sorry. He overturns the moneylenders' tables and he overturns the tables with the sacrifices of the doves on. The moneylenders would be exchanging money for the special temple currency because that was the only currency that people could use to buy their sacrifices. There were larger animals for the rich, but the poorer people had to buy doves to give to the priests to sacrifice. This was a corrupt and wrong practice because they gave a poor exchange rate And they made money from the poor who were trying to bring offerings and worship to God. By driving out the moneylenders and exchanges, Jesus made it impossible for people to buy animals to sacrifice. And so in effect, he was putting a stop to the ritual practices. If we then look at John's account, we see that after he had cleared the outer courts, he was challenged to show proof of his authority to say who or what allowed him to act in this way. And Jesus said back to them, destroy this temple. Oh, I'm wrong. Destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. People thought he was talking about the building and they made fun of him. But Jesus was showing a much deeper meaning. Not only was he prophesying his death and resurrection, but he also introduced a new understanding of the temple 
and a complete change of how God was going to work in the world in the future. The temple he had spoken of was his body. Jesus was beginning to show that he was to be the ultimate sacrifice, to die to make a way for everyone who believes to be in God's presence. Through his death on the cross and resurrection after three days, he would be the way back for the people of God to a new relationship with him. He was the temple that would be rebuilt in three days. And we saw, didn't we, in that original reading, that it was after three days that Jesus' parents found him in the temple. Was that a sign already pointing to the cross, maybe? But it was also three days, wasn't it, when Jesus was in the tomb. And after that, the whole world found Jesus when he rose to life again. Through his blood, forgiveness of sin was taken once and for all by Jesus. We are all redeemed and saved for eternity. Redeemed meaning something that was once broken can be restored, remade. And when Jesus died at three in the afternoon, we are told that that curtain in the temple was torn in two. Another confirmation that the separation of God from his people was broken. God was reconciling or rejoining himself to his people through Jesus' death. So the temple that was a building, a house of God, through Jesus, that was no longer the case. Jesus became the holy temple. God's great plan right through scripture, right from the beginning to the end in Revelation, is to bring people back to him. He created us to be with him, to be in his presence, to be in relationship with him. So Jesus is the new temple, and this is the way, the plan that God does this. God uses the symbolism of the temple to teach us how much he loves us. Let's just go through the steps of that mystery again, shall we? Jesus, born as a baby, human, and John's words, the word made flesh, Emmanuel, God with us as a man. Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood for the sin of the world. That's us, that's you, that's me. Rose to life again, ascended to heaven, back to his father. But Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit completed the plan by making us temples of the living Christ. At the very moment of the day we repent and believe in the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in each one of us. It's very clear in Scripture. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred And you together are the temple. Again, that's you and me. Isn't it exciting? It never ceases to amaze me how much grace God has to live in me. I don't know about you. I think we forget on a day-to-day basis that God is with us, living in us by spirit. God being with us and us being in his presence are two different things. I sometimes think we leave God in a cupboard, this nice cupboard, and when we want something, we want to be a bit closer, we open the door, and God needs you, can you just help me? I need, need to pray for somebody for healing. 
Thank you. Shut the cupboard door. Go back in your box. Oh, this week. Oh, I'm having problems at work. God, can you help me? I've got a few problems this week with my work. Thank you. Shut the door. We call that prayer. Let's go back to Jesus as a young boy in that temple again. He was modeling how to grow faith, being in the presence. I already said that if we're to grow, we need to follow Jesus' example. Every child of God should grow, as I said, no matter what their age. So how do we do this? How do we seek to be closer to Jesus? Well, we all need time at the temple to be in the presence, to grow our relationship with the living God. It's the only way that we grow up as Christians. Otherwise, we stay children in Christ, much the same as when we found him. But the power of Christ is the power to change us, isn't it? It moulds us, it reshapes us, prepares us for the joy of eternity. So Jesus may be with us, but we can't leave him in that cupboard. We need to make sure we connect, spend time intentionally in his presence. Only this will lead to us having a personal relationship and an encounter with Jesus. I became a Christian in the early 1980s. I went to church, met lots of people, started to play the piano, an upright piano, you know, the old-fashioned type. I turned it round so no one could see me. I can see a couple of people sitting here who remember. And I certainly didn't speak. I played, I didn't sing, I didn't pray out loud. I listened to the prayers of others an awful lot and I spent time praying quietly at home. But those I met encouraged me to read my Bible. I spent time with them, things like spring harvest, that brings back memories. And I listened to speakers like R.T. Kendall and many others. I went to seminars and I found myself spending time in the presence. I came here to Burlington about 12 years ago. I still didn't pray out loud. Lots of people did. I knew the presence was here, though. And gradually, words started to form in my head in prayer times. I started to get hot, and the Holy Spirit makes you uncomfortable. Some of you are laughing and giggling. You know what I mean, don't you? You know that real discomfort when you know that you're probably being called to do something or say something, and you really don't want to. That's how I, how I got to be. And then one day, in a Bible study in a house group, I spoke out in prayer. Now look at me. (laughs) Set up, yeah. Being open to the presence of Jesus is life-changing, isn't it? I still don't think anyone will want to hear what I've got to say. I'm standing here now, but I really don't think anyone needs to hear what I've got to say. I still don't think I'm eloquent, but like many people are. But I do believe I can be used, despite all my problems and all my issues, and I'm willing to be in the presence. And because I'm willing to be in the presence, I've seen healings. I've seen people's lives changed. It's a real blessing. I know there is a king, and I know he lives in me, and I know I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, even though on a Monday morning it doesn't feel like that. Journeys are really exciting. Yes, there are tremendous difficulties. There is a lot of pain in life. There is a lot of loss in life. For me, without Jesus, those times would be meaningless. He gives me hope. He inspires me. We must keep growing. 
we must spend time at the temple. From my story, hopefully you can see some of the different ways we can spend time in the presence. Our temple time may be on our own, maybe a devotional time, or it might be doing something that allows us to be closer to the presence of God. For some people, that's walking. For some people, that's gardening. I know I find the presence of Jesus a lot in a garden. But being open to nature, being in creation. But actually, you don't even have to get out of bed, do you, to be in the presence. Prayer is another way. Individually or as a group, prayer takes us into that private place, doesn't it? We all have an inner journey to do. And we can do that on our own or like we do here, together. I've talked about it before, but that sitting down inside ourselves is when we come into the presence. We sit down inside, listening to God. Reading scripture, of course. We cannot expect to know who our Father is unless we listen to his words, unless we find out who he is in the Bible. All scripture is God-breathed can be used for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It may be from time to time that you spend a morning or a day or a week seeking God in a different way, perhaps on retreat, taking yourself away from the usual activities of everyday life. I'm going to ask Michael who's quite nervous, to come and tell us about a recent time which he took to be in God's presence. Morning. Um, So yeah, I had some time in God's presence recently when I went to a place called Harn Hill, which is a centre of Christian healing in Gloucestershire. Um, And I went there because I was suffering. The suffering seemed to be endless and without a lowest point, just deeper and darker ready to consume my entire being. Yet, in his love, God planted in me a hope, an idea that things could still change, that his word does not return to him void, but accomplishes what he means it to, that his promises are true and his love is real. Let me tell you how real and how beautiful that love of God is. I could tell the story of my retreat at Harn Hill, all the ways God held me and spoke to me, spoke healing into my soul and spoke life into a mind that had for so long wished for death. Or I could tell you of my life and mental illness and give you some idea of what I've been through. But what I most want to express is that love, that immeasurably, unimaginably, inconceivably endless love of God without a highest point, just higher and brighter, ready to consume your entire being. I am grateful for every prayer prayed for me by so many faithful people. God is caring for my soul. Life has got bigger and deeper, more intense, more beautiful, and more essential to me than it has ever been, and I have total faith that everything will be okay. However messed up everything ever was, has been, or will be, however not okay things are, it is all somehow okay. God is everything to me right now. And his love is for every human being who has ever been given life. For you, for your family, for all the broken situations that seem to have no solution. For the lost and confused and despairing, God has a love that has already overcome our darkest days. And if my testimony does nothing else, I want it to plant in you the hope, the idea, 
that things can still change, that God's word doesn't return to him void, that his promises are true, and his love is real for you today. Amen. Fantastic. Wow. Life has got bigger and deeper, more intense, more beautiful, and more essential to me than it has ever been. Michael's words. Wow. This is what happens when we spend time in God's presence. Happens because we grow in understanding of who God is and how he wants us to be with him. He loves us so much. It's as though he wants to grow our heart for him. We're temples. Jesus lives in us. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the truth that God writes to us. When we gather together, just like this morning, it's no longer about the place we're in. It's not about the building. The temple, no longer a place. The church is the people who gather together. We seek teaching as Jesus did. We worship together. We sing. It quickly takes us into the presence, doesn't it? in a different way when we're together than when we're alone. It's almost as though God gets bigger and bigger as we're singing together. But of course he doesn't, because he never changes. We need to help each other grow. Recently, we did the Daniel Fast together. And part of that was an encouragement, wasn't it, to each other. That's why we did it together, in drawing closer to Jesus. I'm going to ask Pat and Tony to come now and share with us some of their experience of that time and the things that God has been speaking to them as, we, as they have spent time in his presence. Well, most of you know that my, my life is just mad. Busy, busy, busy all the time. I find it very hard to say no to people. I cram far too much in a day. And unfortunately, it affected my Bible reading and my prayers. And sometimes I would read a scripture and I would think afterwards, what have I just read? And I would say to Tony, I'm going to have to read this again. And my prayers were hurried and they should never have been because God has answered so many of my prayers, especially recently when I've had so many worries with my granddaughter who very possibly had a cancerous growth on her leg, my mother at 94 who takes one step forward and half a dozen back, But still, I felt God saying to me, come on now, this is a partnership. I'm doing what I'm doing for you. You must be doing something for me. We spoke with Sally and Andy, and they encouraged us to have a little six-week course with them, in which they introduced us to doing the soap daily, which helped us immeasurably. And also we spoke about the Kairos Learning Circle and that, we found, helped us to express our feelings more with each other and to understand a lot. And then 
we carried on and and I, I felt better about reading scriptures and I, I could understand a little bit more, but still I knew God was saying to me, come on now, there is more. And then we get to the Daniel fast and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to struggle to find things to give up. I thought, what on earth am I going to do? Well, we both enjoy reading novels and we would go to bed at night and we'd read our novels in bed. And and then God just said to me, leave the novels, leave the novels and read your Bible, do your prayers. And that was what we did. And in those quiet times, well, I haven't read a novel now for about six weeks. And in those quiet times, I just, I personally just felt, I had such an inner peace come within me. I, I, I don't know how else to explain it. It was, it was just, it was just wonderful. And, and so today I'm, I'm standing here and I'm thanking God for his answers to my prayers, his unconditional love, his wisdom, and most of all, his patience with me. Thank you. I'd just like to share a, a, a story with you. Um, I've been a, in the presence of God during the Daniel fast more than I ever thought that I would be. Pat and I have um, only known God for about four years. And uh, believe it or not, the only hobby that I had was video games. Hopefully you all know what a video game is, and they're quite violent, some of them. I enjoyed them, and then I was more in the presence of God than ever before, and I felt uncomfortable with them. I thought, there's, there's something going on here. I spoke to Sally and, and, and Andy, and they prayed over me. Um, and gradually, I thought, I shouldn't be doing this. But I continued. I was enjoying the games. I continued with them. And then, excuse me, but God spoke to me. And he, uh, I was in the shop buying a new game. And he spoke to me and said, you shouldn't be doing this. So I handed the game back to the assistant and I said, I don't want it. And at that point, I've never played Another one of those games since. Thank you. Being in God's presence. So it can be a temple for others as well, can't we? It can be a temple for others. Reading, spending time in the presence. They were at the temple, Pat and Tony, in a different way. And Michael, Pat and Tony... Getting up and speaking this morning, I hope, has encouraged you. I hope it's spoken to you. I hope God has used them to speak to you this morning. Jesus lives in us by his spirit, and we can walk each other into the presence. When our first steps group meets together, we're in Jesus' presence. We're at the temple. We'll be at the temple this afternoon as we share lunch and enjoy not only God's presence, but each other's company. We encourage and we share and we learn. It's time at the temple. I want to end this morning by asking you, do you want to grow in your faith this year? Do you want to spend time at the temple in the presence of God as you journey month after month moving forward? 
We're going to continue to spend time in the presence as we worship in a few moments. As we do, I want to invite you to come forward, to just stand at the front here, where there'll be people from our prayer team. And I want you just to receive a prayer to seal in your commitment to grow. Short prayer, commit your journey to God's presence this year and receive a blessing as you move forward. I know this is not something we do much here at Burlington, but I did particularly feel this morning as I was writing this sermon a sense that Father wanted to bless everyone here this morning because he's a God of individual relationships. All of us are special to him. I'm not inviting you to come forward and share all your needs. Please do that after the service if there are things that you need prayer for this morning. I'm just saying, we all need time at the temple. And if you agree with this this morning, then come to the front as Andrew plays and commit to grow in Christ. By coming forward, you'll encourage the rest of the family here in this place. Are you willing to encourage others by receiving a prayer and a blessing? You are the temple of Christ in the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we acknowledge this and move towards Jesus, embrace him, get close, then nothing is impossible. The Holy Spirit is here now. We are in his presence this morning. We are a temple because Jesus is in us and we are in him. We're going to sing. Come, receive the Father's blessing as we stand amazed in the presence of the risen Lord. Amen.